0: this week's edition of page 180 it's reunion time as my old low blows pals katie harvey and corporate keen join to discuss the last of us from the viewpoint of big walking dead fans who never played the games we'll have reviews of Babylon, tar let the wrong one in and ennis main plus low blows sisters stick around till the end and we'll throw in some royal rumble chat ahead of that this weekend all that and more still to come Guys, good to have you back. Thank you. I hope uh, you enjoyed last week, those of you who listened. I hope, uh, obviously, if you did, you, we didn't turn you off at the very least. So I'll consider that a win. We're in the early days here. We're taking things easy and seeing what works or what doesn't. So if I just haven't put you off returning, that's a huge win for me. Uh, busy show this week, so I'm going to get right into it. The first thing I kind of wanted to uh, discuss was the things I do for you people um essentially uh i say it's for you but really it's to to give myself content for an intro i watched love island this week for a week uh, i say that i didn't watch every episode and i i couldn't get into it at all like i've never really been a love island person and I'm still not a Love Island person after forcing myself to watch it in the hope that maybe it would turn me around. But I did have some observations. And keep in mind that if you're a Love Island fan, I'm not coming for you. I'm not criticizing your your life or television choices. But this was not for me. And here are some of my thoughts. As a 35-year-old man who admittedly is probably not in the demographic for this show. I don't think Boohoo are particularly targeting me, a guy who right now I'm wearing an Orlando Magic hoodie. Uh, I tend to, a lot of my clothes and wardrobe tend to be like the sports shirts and apparel of teams that I enjoy watching. So yeah, maybe it's not for me and that's fine. And if it is for you, that's fine too. But some of my thoughts were, first off, Young attractive people are boring. They are so fucking boring. Like it's even on the likes of first dates, a show that I love, by the way, as, as any of you who follow on Twitter will know. I the dates that I hate are the young attractive people who are like 20 and they're like Oh, I've been single two months. I don't know if I'll ever find someone. And it's like, come on, literally, will you stop? You do not have problems. I like interesting people that are different. I like the people that used to get picked for Big Brother. Not the, uh, like the weirdos and the crazy people and the people that do anything to be on television. That's the kind of people I want to watch on a weekly basis or on a nightly basis. In Love Island, you just get people who are just saying the same things. Like every single person that walks into the room, everyone has to go, oh. Or like when they're talking to each other they was like what's your vibe what's your vibe and it's like what's your vibe like what does that even mean like it's ridiculous and this is just again lad Jair who like doesn't know the cool language anymore uh, but really actually they're doing or saying nothing wrong but for me like it, what was really annoying in the first episode is that there was one person on the show that has a personality one person that's interesting and different and doesn't and says things in a different way that makes for great TV but also makes a a good personality and that's will and he didn't get picked by anyone he's left on his own like what the fuck like i hate society I I, and again i don't hate society i don't hate young people i just maybe hate the fact that i'm seeing the fact that i'm old in these young people and my inability to understand it there's a few things though around it though that i think is gonna age badly like Again, I'm very new to a lot of this. The only time I'd have ever watched Love Island would have been if I'd have been dating someone who'd have been interested in it and stuff like that beforehand, so I'd only watch it in bits. The stuff at the start of the show where they had people couple up and picking people to couple up without having them have a say in who they're supposed to, like, share a bed with and so on, that's... It's it's like, and this this is the thing. I think all ITV reality TV shows are going to age badly in the same way that the Jeremy Kyle show is aging horribly, and Love Island is not far behind. Especially when you look at like serious topics, like the rate of conte- former contestants who committed suicide since that's related to the show. But that kind of stuff you're looking at, it and you're like, this is not again good TV interesting from a car crash type vibe but it's not uh it's not actually good to me i said vibe i said vibe like i'm on it without getting into my skin and as well like when they were doing the challenge where they all kissed each other to guess who was the person that like they had a mysterious clue about them or whatever the owl lad post covid in me just thought about the germs spreading um than anything else. I'm like, that's just that's just not hygienic. Um, again, speaks more to me than the show. I appreciate that, but I am who I am. Um they spend a lot of time also for a show that's about finding love, as well as it being very forced with people literally having to be like, I've met you 10 seconds, now we are in a couple, which is kind of intense, to be honest. And it makes sense that they're like this, considering they don't know each other. But they're all forced it. Like you don't win if you're not in a couple, so they have to kind of do it. Um, which again can age badly. The people on Love Island spend a lot of time describing what they're like being in a relationship rather than actually being in one. It's like, oh yeah, no, I love, uh, I love cuddles, and when I'm with someone, I'm loyal. And if I'm with someone that I'm attracted to, I find myself like always having to tell jokes and stuff like that. Are you attracted to me, Pete? Yeah, I'm attracted. And it's like, well, if you're attracted, then do the things you say that you would do if you were attracted to someone. Why you tell them what you like, just be the thing that you're actually like. Like, what is with this? And it's all people talk about and like again all of this show this is my main beef with the show it's not interesting the people aren't interesting they're boring as fuck like a lot of it is just like the setting around it and the fact that the people are beautiful and that's why they've been chosen but there's a lot of things where they'll like try use music and editing and like again beautiful landscapes and so on to try cover up the fact that nothing is happening and that the people involved aren't interesting enough to make stuff happen during the downtime. So they're just having a lot of minor small talk. But in between, they disperse it with, like, random pop songs. So someone's like, I you know, like, uh, in the morning I like to have uh, a yogurt, and then I'll have a banana, and then it'll just cut into a pop song like, in the daydream, when you feel in love. And it's like... Why did that necessi- necessitate a pop song? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> or it's like, oh, yeah, no, I didn't really get a good sleep. Like, I uh, I need to get up to have a piss twice. And, you know, once you wake up, you can't get back to sleep. Like, it's the most annoying thing ever. And then it's like, I throw my hands up in the air sometimes. Why did Teo Cruz need to be played? Why did that... Need to happen. Like, what did they say? They're just having small talk. There's no reason for have this. And I know we're in the TikTok era and people will try make those minor things dramatic. Like, you'll look at a, a story on TikTok or Instagram and it'll be like, When this channel is raining, there'll be days like this. But really, what's happening is they ate an egg for breakfast on a Sunday morning. But this is fucking ridiculous. I watched a few days of it. I think I'm good. I think I'm going to pass. I think I'm done with Love Island. Um I want to talk about some good content. So, let's talk about some good content. I'm going to talk about the movies that I've been watching over the past week. Let's get into some reviews. <laughs>
1: Like it here on your own?
0: I'm not on my own. Ennis Main is a very weird little movie that was met with pure shock and awe laughter as the credits began to roll in the screening I saw it in in the Lighthouse Cinema last week. If you've got similar horror palette to me, you'll love 70s horror, mainly because there wasn't a roadmap for what was considered good horror then. So a lot of weird stuff just happened in its own time and the plot unraveled like vomit that will come up whenever it comes up. This has similar vibes. The movie is shot in 16 millimeters with all sound post. Sink to give that classic horror feel. It's the kind of movie you find yourself stumbling upon at 2am during a bout of insomnia and then half an hour later you have no idea why you're still watching but you absolutely can't stop. The minimalist plot follows Mary Woodvine who plays a person who's named only as the volunteer and is isolated on an island off the coast of Cornwall making daily observations of the flora there. Though she does insist that she's not alone and we see someone only credited as the girl who has a propensity for climbing on the roof occasionally But is she actually there or is this all a dream or hallucination? And if it is partly a hallucination, what is a dream and what is reality? Similar to The Shining, the solitude seems to have had a triggering effect on the volunteer as she begins to lose her grip on reality. This is written and directed by Mark Jenkin and isn't so much a story and don't anticipate everything kind of coming together and making sense in the end. Jenkin refuses to discuss or explain the plot, so what this is all about is really up to how you take it and perceive it yourself. This, instead, is more like a vibe, an experience, it's frankly a bit of an acid trip. It's also going to be like Marmite. I've heard critics call it their favourite movie of the year, I've also heard audiences laugh in disbelief Wondering what the fuck they had just witnessed So I'm not going to presuppose And tell you if you're going to like this or not But if you, like me, embrace getting lost In those weird 2am som- insomnia fever dreams Every now and then While well, I won't go overboard and say that this profoundly affected me Or I'll be considering at the end of the year One of my favourite movies It's a perfectly fun and weird way To spend an hour and a half of your life
2: I drive a taxi around Dublin And I've seen all sorts
3: This is something new. Sheila and those hens are out there every night. The vampire population is rising. Anyone in Dublin could be their next victim. But not if I get there
0: first. stick with horror though this one is about as far tonally from Ennis Main as possible while still somewhat staying within the genre Let the Wrong One In is a new Irish comedy horror written and directed by Conor McMahon which is in cinemas now the movie stars Carl Royce and Owen Duffy as brothers Matt and Deco Deco being the black sheep of the family having been kicked out due to his addictions but still occasionally guilt trips Matt into going along with his schemes Deco arrives at Matt door, Matt's door in a bad way one morning having been bitten in a nightclub the night beforehand melting under the sun and retching at the smell of garlic chips. Quickly, Matt joins the dots and realises his brother has been turned into a vampire and from there, hilarity ensues. Or at least that's the idea. It arrives during a particularly good run for Irish cinematic releases. In the last 12 months alone, we've had some absolute heavyweights with the likes of On Colleen Kuhn, Belfast and You Are Not My Mother. Could this continue that momentum? No, is the answer. No, it, it really could not. No. This movie tries to be shot of the dead with vampires. Really, it's just some of the cast Akin Kin and Red Rock being silly billies pretending to be a vampire, except ha <laughs> They're saying Dublin slang in a setting we're not used to hearing Dublin slang. This isn't so much Young Offenders as offensively juvenile. Usually when these films fail, it's because it's a two minute comedy sketch idea that can't really last the course of a movie. But The problem is, this doesn't even have a funny idea at the core of it. I imagine the original draft of this movie had a whiteboard that said, vampires, but in Dublin, question mark, question mark, question mark, and profit. Put it this way, at one stage you've got Adrian Kendi in the background as a cameo on the radio. That's the level of humour we're talking about here. It's kind of local Dublin radio doing silly voices but not actually making jokes and just saying Dublin catchphrases. It's like, oh, Jesus, bleeding hell you in the neck of you, leave it bleeding out. What? The movie is so bad that it actually got me suspicious that esteemed actor Anthony Head has done something horrific because the only way he should be lending his name to a project like this is if he'd been badly blackmailed into doing so. The special effects look like they were done on a free phone app i'd say the entire thing looks like it's made out of a back garden but it legitimately was literally my back garden around five minutes from where i'm recording this right now i can literally look out the window here and i can see the nightclub that they shot the movie in so the reality is with that all in mind i wanted to like this i know people who are in this movie sorry justy but We can do better now. We shouldn't be congratulating ourselves just because we're Irish and we made a movie. Last year, You Are Not My Mother became a Netflix cult favourite. It's legitimately one of my favourite horror movies ever and it's on a similar budget. Irish movies, like I said, don't need to get just points because they're Irish. Jokes aren't funny just because you make funny noises and say silly words like Willy. This legitimately didn't get one laugh in the cinema I was in the entire movie. It was actually embarrassing and mortifying for us all to be there and I'm sure everyone Everyone involved work hard And I don't have anything against them I don't want to attack this movie Like I said I went in liking and wanting to support this movie But someone before this point Should have stepped in and said no to the people who made this And actually looked over it and said Are we sure this is a good idea They didn't So here we are This is going to be in the running For one of the worst movies I've seen this year Time is the thing uh-huh. Time is is the essential piece of uh, interpretation You cannot start without me
2: See, I start the clock. You now, my left hand, it shapes, but my right hand, the second hand, marks time and moves it forward. However, unlike a clock, sometimes my second hand stops, which means that time stops. Now, the illusion is that, like you, I'm responding to the orchestra in real right. time, making right. the decision about the right moment to restart the thing or reset it or throw time out the window altogether. The reality is that right from the very beginning I know precisely what time really? it is and the exact moment that you and I will arrive at our destination together.
0: Tyrus Todd's latest drama starring Kate Blanchett that is currently attracting both awards consideration and controversial discourse worldwide. Blanchett plays Lydia Tarr, who's considered by many to be the most talented and important musicians alive and the first female conductor of a German orchestra when we meet her in the movie. We meet her as she's been fawned over by baying fans, encouraging discussion of her as a feminist icon, breaking barriers. However, once we scratch beyond the surface, we notice both an intensity and an ability to compartmentalise the sexual perversions of legendary composers past with their talent. In a way, it's a story we're seeing a lot these days in the wake of Me Too, discussing people abusing unequal power dynamics, and we witness Lydia both being forced to confront transgressions past, rationalising her behaviour, while simultaneously being able to resist continue doing it. What's drawing discussion and controversy from stories of this ilk is the traditional gender role reversal of the alleged abuser, in this case being a lesbian woman praised wisely as a trailblazer. To me... This is one aspect of the film that I actually have zero issue with. Field is in no way trying to have a gender based discussion this isn't a veiled not all men argument where he's trying to say look women do this too. This is just very much isolated on Lydia's story and that's actually probably the most interesting aspect watching someone attempt to wear two completely contradictory hats is happy to be considered progressive and woke when she's being held up as an example for femininity but she's also very quick to dispel the youth of today for being too quick to offend when she's Even indirectly made them feel responsible for her behaviour. I also appreciated where the film ended up, having both followed cases like this in the media and even known people who faced similar allegations. The destination we leave Lydia was very credible and gave me a little smile. There were other aspects, though, that I did have a problem with. There's an air of pretension to this movie that begins with the opening credits listing out the entire cast and crew in the style of closing credits. It's hardly a cinematic first, but it does signal a movie that comes in very sure of itself, and I'm not sure the movie has the quality to back it up. There's also quite a number of long, fawning conversations detailing the intricacies of the orchestral world that I'm not sure was actually necessary to the plot. For reference, we're going to discuss Damien Chigel's latest movie today, but let's compare it to one of his previous ones in Whiplash. Whiplash manages to feel both very faithful to the world that it's portraying, while also punctuating at the story it's trying to tell at the heart of it, so it comes across to people who aren't in that world as well. Tar is less successful at doing so, and it's minute detail comes across as field, almost looking to score points with the people in the world he's portraying, for no particularly good reason. It also felt very strange to watch a movie that's so entrenched and interested in the kind of inside base. Ball side of this world that didn't actually have one big musical set piece to hang its hat on it actually feels criminal in a way and that was actually probably a choice to say that Tara's talent is ultimately inconsequential to what she's doing outside of her role if so though that takes the choice away from the audience and makes the movie leading and a bit cheaper as a result I've no doubt we'll continue to see Tara rack up nominations and Kate Blanchett in particular deserves them she's deservedly favoured as best actress in the Oscars as she carries the movie it needs to show her full range illustrating both sides of this complex character, all while remaining restrained because of the character's willful ignorance of their sins. It's a spectacular balancing act. But I feel that history is going to remember this along the lines of, say, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I, Tonya, or The Revenant, and that it's more a vessel for an all-time great individual performance than an all-time great movie itself.
3: You're Next time, try softer, okay? But why, my darling
2: Pierre? Why? What? Well, what? Well, hey! Move that microphone 45 degrees, okay? That one here, okay? Right. no, 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 no. Hey, amigo, it's not Manuel, it's Manny. Manny Torres, okay? Yeah. Okay, 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 vamos, vamos, ya, 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 vamos. Let's roll, people. Let's go. Take two.
0: Babylon Damien Chazelle spiritual follow up to La La Land except it's more on the public warning side and that it's a debauched trip into the wild wild west of 1920s Hollywood during the transition from silent films to the talkies the movie follows this change through the eyes of our three main characters first there's Jack Conrad played by Brad Pitt a revered leading man of the silent era who as we meet him is very much in his comfort zone we have Margot Robies instantly iconic Nellie Leroy a wild child who when we meet her insists that although she hasn't actually been in a movie or isn't signed to a studio that she's very much a star, because you either are a star, or you aren't. And then you have our audience avatar, Manny Torres, played in a star-making performance by Diego Calva. He's starting very much from the bottom of the hill, literally. When we meet him, he's shoving an elephant up a hill with tragic consequences, as a stunt for an elaborate party that he's helping to organise. The film starts at 100 miles an hour, with instant echoes the likes of Wolf of Wall Street or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The cast are fully bought in, we're pit tapping into some of the comedic beats of Lieutenant Aldo Rain and Cliff Booth, and Roby borrowing heavily from her Harley Quinn energy to make this a thrill ride that makes you feel like you're dipping into the excessive drugstores of the Hollywood parties that it's giving you access to. Chazelle's movies never lack for style or charisma. It's a visually thrilling experience with every shot filled with hilarious hidden treats for anyone quick enough to catch them. And it's edited deliberately frenetic to help the movie zip by as it goes from thrilling set piece to set piece, allowing us to buy into these characters immediately. In very much the same way as Wolf of Wall Street, you'll probably find yourself and anyone else who's seen the movie No doubt kind of comparing notes on your favourite scenes. Personally, I like the uh, extra shepherd scene myself, but if you like the elephant diversion, that's also fair. That makes particularly the first two hours an incredibly fun popcorn watch and cinematic experience. There was a lot of reaction and laughter throughout the screening when I was watching it. But this is an Oscar darling releasing a big budget star-led movie in January, so it's aiming to be more. With that in mind, the question then becomes can it deliver on a substantial level and give us a plot that will take away beyond some shocking and hilarious hilarious scenes. As is so often the case with these three hour epics, it does have a back end issue, and you sense that a show stopping scene between Pitt and the magnificent Gene Smart is the film's spiritual ending, and subsequent rewatches, of which there probably will be for me, I may just call it a day with that scene. Without giving away any plot though, specifically once Toby Maguire shows up in the film, it takes a bit of a left turn, and not for the better. From there, it feels totally inconsistent with the two hours we previously sat through. Part of that is by design, I know, to show how this same Hollywood town isn't the one our characters were so familiar with. Intentional or not, though, the end result is that I completely disconnected with a movie that up until that point had really engaged me. And I think that sour taste is what's inspiring somebody in overreactive negative reviews. Endings matter, and many can't look past the taste you leave in their mouths as they leave the cinema. For some, unfortunately, that taste will be a bit of puke. Because it all concludes with an end of movie montage that felt for me like a completely desperate attempt to curry favor with an academy that very much likes to be told how important what they do is. But in reality, lost all sight of the plot and characters we just spent three hours with in the process. And three hours is a lot of time to spend. If you tell me that I don't need to care about those three hours at the end of the movie, again, that's what's going to lead to a lot of people having a sour taste in their mouth. For me, though, that doesn't make it a bad movie. But this is two-thirds of a fun, interesting movie with the potential to go somewhere, followed by one hour of someone clinging to the hope that they'll go out and make something immortal, and in that sheer desperation, perhaps poetically, ensuring it will never be. I'll just take my word for it. Here is Tom from the Pod, which
1: you can access on YouTube and Spotify, with his thoughts on the movie. Hey, Page 180, Tom from the Pod here, and I just saw Babylon, a film that shows Hollywood excess and indulgence. And I'm not just talking about its runtime. Got him, ha! A lot of people are going to do a 180, though, out of the cinemas when they get some of those early scenes. And I think the worst thing about this film is that there's a great movie in there somewhere. The idea about Hollywood evolving into the talkies era and dealing with the Hays Code and how that would affect its stairs really just made me more interested in the reality as opposed to the film itself. But I think it just wasn't focused enough on any one idea. And at times we'd rather kind of play in the muck uh, left behind by Kenneth Anger's Hollywood Babylon book. I thought the characters were really one-dimensional. Probably should have focused on a few less characters or at least developed them a bit better. And I really don't think this was anyone's best performance either on an acting front. They are fine though. It's a film that gives into its worst impulses but in trying to be shocking and also not reading itself in to give a tighter, more focused story. And while it did have a lot of good shots and certainly some great moments, just wasn't enough to justify its runtime.
0: where you get that? Doesn't matter. It's yours. You know it. You bought it.
2: You hid it so no one could find it. Not the woman you married, not whatever I am to you. You are everything to me, Gina. All evidence to the contrary. So, since you're in a truth-telling mode, come out to me. Tell me, tell me, tell me all of it or leave. Now's the
0: time. Let's finish with a TV review as American Horror Story's 11th season concluded on Disney Plus this side of the water last week. American Horror Story NYC is set in 1980's New York City as people within the tight-knit gay community there begin to disappear. Clauses the cop Patrick Reed, played by Russell Tovey and his partner Joe Mantello's Gino Borelli, who runs a gay newsletter not afraid to ruffle feathers, both investigate and begin to unravel the case, And as there's a fear that there's a serial killer on the loose. This allows us to meet the likes of Billy Lord, Stan- Dr. Hannah Wells, who's investigating an outbreak of a heavily infectious disease and in animals when we first meet her Zachary Quinto's menacing Sam known for his lavish parties and depraved kinks and Charlie Carver's Adam whose roommate disappears this was released in the US last October during what's been a particularly busy year for the Roy Murphy versus perhaps his last two chances at Netflix in Jeffrey Dahmer's Monster and The Watcher finally saw him hit in his new role and you can kind of see that his legacy show American Horror Story was slightly neglected and undercooked as a result there's a really good concept here don't get me wrong I don't think I'm spoiling anything to say that there's heavy allegories towards the AIDS epidemic and that slight base in reality rather than the supernatural makes it unique among American Horror Story series. As with any Murphy project, the cast are strong too and that holds the murder mystery aspect of this plot together. Though whether they're charming or likeable enough to want to follow for 10 episodes, I'll leave that up to you. I found myself more remembering to catch up with this upon every new episode release than actually running to Disney Plus every Wednesday. As we discussed with Babylon though, Endings matter And a cursory glance At the IMDB episode ratings Will tell you that The last two episodes Kind of went off a cliff As far as audiences Were concerned The reason for that Is that the show Moved away from the plot And character integration That we had throughout the season And it made it possible To that point And instead Zoomed out to the bigger picture Spelling out the a- allegory In large impossible to miss writing Saying We're talking about Hey do you get it As if that wasn't clear From the moment That we meet Billy Lord's Doctor character In the opening episode And then just Chooses to dispense Big big moments that should be emotional jolts in the out of the blue in the form of dramatical musical numbers and montages that are no stranger to American Horror Story, but again, we followed these characters for so long that significant moments happening in their lives should be built up to and should mean something. I kind of admire the ambition of its intent here, it just doesn't stick the landing at all. You sense that with a bit more attention and workshopping it could have been really powerful, but as it stands. It felt like a bit of a slap in the face. And look, we're heading into our 12th series of American Horror Story, so the show has had its dips before and always come back strong. I'm not particularly concerned about the franchise, but if you miss this one and just choose to jump in for the next loop, you're really not missing much. <laughs>
3: buratnya Kami membawa buratnya kemarin untuk membantu kami untuk pencegah penyebaran. Kami butuh vaksin. Butuh obat.
0: Papa Saya telah menghabiskan waktu hidup saya untuk mempelajari hal ini. Jadi Mohon dengarkan saya baik-baik. Tidak ada obat dan tidak ada vaksin. Jadi apa yang harus kami lakukan? I know it was in Indonesian, but absolute chills listening to that again. That was incredible. Uh, Another amazing opening to The Last of Us uh, for episode two. We're about to go into the spoiler verse again um, for The Last of Us episode two. So obviously from here, uh, if you haven't seen the episode... Go back and watch it and then listen to us again because we are going to talk about everything. Uh, for those who didn't listen last week, if you're any tuning in this week, the way we're going to deal with spoilers is uh, we will refer to parts of the game, but we're not going to talk about plot points in the game. So again, if you've seen, if you've never played the game, and you've seen up until the end of episode two, that's it. You're safe. You're not going to get anything spoiled. But I may allude to things or I may give you extra context or something that may enhance your viewing, but I'm not going to speak about anything to do with plot or anything. So you're safe listening going forward, even if you hear me uh, speak about the game. Guys, with The Last of Us... And with great stories in general, the best stories need to be spread and they need to be, for me, shared. And with that in mind, I want to, last week we had a discussion with two hardcore Last of Us fans in the two Kevins. Um... This week we're going to have a discussion with people that I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing hopefully, if they like it, I don't know uh, and I'm ho- I'm looking forward to sharing this story with two people who've never watched The Last of Us, never played the games never kind of seen or heard of it beforehand, uh, but we have bonded over similar stories like The Walking Dead beforehand, so they are used to this genre and I want to see how this compares uh, to their previous experiences Guys, you might know them if you've listened to any of my previous work, if you don't, you will know them shortly and I'm sure you're going to love them as everyone else will It is my old low blows buddies uh, Katie Harvey And Corporate Keane Guys welcome to the show Great to have you on page 180 Yay <laughs> Woo
2: I like how we're, I like I like how we're a podcasting pair now Like You
0: know can yeah.
2: kind of one without the other I like it I mean I'm sure Keen, But I personally love it.
0: I I think you're still a reigning low blows Pool Tag Team Champions as well. Like so, like again, <laughs> we're literally a tag team now at this stage. Whether you like it or not, um, great to have you on, guys. And I, 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 we are like, I'll be honest. I've been telling you this for the past couple of weeks. I'm like, I don't want to know what you think until on the air. So I don't know what you think of the show. You could hate it, and you know that might be very anticlimactic. But like again, it's stole your right to your opinion. Um, but I do want to hear that. But first, I kind of want to just touch in, with you because we have a lot of obviously shared interest with podcasts and for years. Um, So Katie, first off, I kind of want to get your thoughts. Cobra Kai last week announced that it's going to be producing and releasing its sixth and final season um, this year. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's time to go? Do you think kind of, are you devastated? Do you think they could do five more seasons or how are you feeling about that announcement?
2: Like I'm really sad and I'm really happy at the same time. Like I'm sad in the sense that like it's one of my favorite shows of all time ending. But I do also think they're calling time at the right stage and mm. um, you know because right now it's still a little bit wink wink nudge nudge it's still very you know like it's still playing to its strengths whereas i think if they go any further they're going to stretch the source material too thin just a little disclaimer i do have a one-year-old in the room with me so if you hear the wheels on the bus or squeals, so that wasn't
0: it's, phil making like was, <laughs> a yeah it's, that's it's not phil boy it's
2: not phil it's my one-year-old <laughs> Uh, who I could not get to bed before we started recording. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think if they go any further, they're going to stretch the source material a little bit too far. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of glad they're coming to an end now. Okay,
0: that's fair. That's fair. Uh, don't worry. If you got if you got to be a mom, go be a mom. You're okay. I think as well, like it is a good time for them to call uh, time on it because I think for me, I liked the last series, but I think it probably was weaker than the other series. Um and I think yeah they were kind of stretching it a little bit. But again, I, I have enough faith in the storytellers to be able to um adapt and get a good six series out of it. So yeah, I am exact same point of view where there's a bit of sweetness to it, but ultimately I think it's it's gonna be for the best. I'd rather that than they just did series 10 and there's nothing left. And it's like now it's the kids of the, the kids who came back after the original Chronicle, you know what I mean? Like and it's like this has gone too far I mean I'm all
2: right with them re- Booting it again in like 10 years you know what i
0: mean like miguel and robbie's kids like yeah
2: (laughs) yeah i i I just feel like they like they can't turn them heel face again they've all turned too many times they've all paired up too much like there is and now they've introduced a world tournament like like the next step will be going space jam style and having like a monsters tournament (laughs) you know they can't do that they can't introduce that um yeah, so I'm 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 yeah, I'm I'm happy enough that it's ending and I'm glad they didn't make us wait the full year. I kind of knew when they pushed the release up from New Year's Eve, yeah. that they had another season in the bag or that it was very close to being done. So I'm glad I don't have that like Game of Thrones length wait yeah to uh to kind of finish it off this saga
0: well that's one thing I loved about Cobra Kai you got it regularly like they never went more than a year without a series like after they rebooted it for Netflix they were very prolific and, and I really appreciated that so yeah interesting times I'm sure look we'll catch up about we, uh, look I have a TV show podcast now as well so we'll catch up about that uh, when that gets released Keen, uh, you're uh, uh, me and you obviously one thing we'd have a shared interest in is, is UFC there's a lot of headlines going on right now uh, we had UFC 283 at the weekend which is very funny basically Brazilian heroes uh, uh, we're in big title fights, both got smashed and the crowd are very unhappy. That was quite entertaining. Um, But obviously it's coming in the back of Dana White, UFC owner, is caught in controversy after he was basically caught on camera Um like he 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 slapped his wife pretty pretty much like while he was in a nightclub. Um interesting strategy. Uh he held a trial where he was the judge and he found himself not guilty. Well, he found himself guilty, but he said, I'm punished enough by admitting that I'm guilty on here. So that is the end of the story, which is I don't know, I haven't seen domestic abuse handled that way beforehand. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Again, and we're gonna discuss kind of another <laughs> fighting sport owner scandal, like shortly, but like <laughs> is this kind of hampering t- Things in the UFC, like with, with stuff going on, or what are your thoughts around all, all of that? Do you think it's time for Dana White to go? Do you think that's fine? What are your, how's it sitting with you?
3: Uh Dana White, uh, he's always been a moldy bastard. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it hasn't, like this hasn't changed any. Like, like I, I, I don't think any less of him because I've already, I've already thought the absolute worst of him to begin with. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, I remember talking to you about, before about uh, the Ultimate Fighter, where like. <laughs> If you watch like early scenes of the Ultimate Fighter, there'll be fighters who uh, have already fought you know they've got like mad cte just blood just pouring out their eyes and ears and they're like and he, somebody pulls out of a fight and he's like okay guys who's ready to step up and take this opportunity and they're like uh not not really like i'm i'm, I'm kind of dying <laughs> and he's like you don't want to take this opportunity and the show is presented as if he's the hero well <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like anybody who paid attention knows that he's an absolute cretin uh, i thought you were going to mention the fucking uh slap league i think that's stuff. The- fucking like have
0: you seen that any... <laughs> i did not know i've just heard of it but uh, it's 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 amazing how like days after he was caught slapping his wife he stayed released dana white slaply like and they just they didn't think twice about it they're just like this seems like a good <laughs> they're, idea <laughs> they're
3: perfectly and the thing is it's, like, it's not even a show that's like in high demand like they all uh, the ratings came out for after the first episode and everyone tuned out um it, it's like it is absolutely i thought it was Jeff, like I heard about Slap League like ages before I saw it, and I thought like it was just satire the whole time. I thought like it was just a piss take, it was based off some YouTube clips or something like that. But it's real, like it's an actual it's like Dana White's contender series, but without any actual like you know skill or risk it's just people slapping each other and i i, I tried looking up, you know clips on twitter and stuff and i just can't it's actually vile like the way their face like swells up and all when they get hit and it's not like it's not like oh like it's a risk that they'll get hit but with their skill they can avoid it and then you know win the fight it's like no nah. Just stand there and get slapped. I'm like, what? What? What's the appeal of this? (laughs) I don't know. Weird. Uh, Yeah, I hate. But it was always time for him to go. It was never time for him to be there to begin with. Um, But I don't. He's not gonna go. And as well, I also think like it's never gonna really affect the UFC because the UFC is to MMA what like the NBA is to basketball. You know what I mean? It's kind of like it's it's an organization, but it basically runs the sport. So Mm. uh,
0: they'll be grand no matter what. Yeah, that's true, and I agree. Every, everything you said, I've, I've nothing more to add. It's very funny how, like, he just he spent days like saying this is always going to live with me, and then like a few days later, he's like Francis and a pussy. John Jones is the man, <laughs> and it's like you're just slagging John Jones. Like he just bullies his fighters publicly. He's a no case. He's an absolute scumbag as well, and kind of. I know. I think now it's an interesting time because I think what to watch is that, like. MMA has always kind of fought against a lot of the stereotypes and the worst case scenario that people have, have of it Dana White now fully and there's no denying it anymore perpetuates those stereotypes and if you're paying enough attention and you, you were a decent enough person you knew that already but now what Dana White is bringing is he's got like his little Joe Rogan listening fanboys who are just kind of like oh yeah the, does she hit him first is she gonna go to prison and it's like your little like there's so many little in self fans there in MMA and I think it's going to push it towards a tipping point where it's like right you're actually because Endeavor are involved and they're a respectable organization like they're the owners now they don't want to be kind of involved in something that seems a bit scummy is a bit like kind of um, just damaging to their reputation so I think it'll be an interesting time in, in the world of MMA but that's not what we're here to discuss we are here to discuss The Last of Us I do really want to get your thoughts I'm dying to know but first what I'm going to do is I'm just going to recap the episode so we're all on point about what we're going to be discussing, so I'm going to take you through. Our second episode of The Last of Us begins in Jakarta, Indonesia in 2003 as the army tracks down a renowned mycologist to consult on a small outbreak of a fungal infection in a factory. After realizing that the infection is already beyond tracking, her advice is to bomb the city and everyone in it to contain it. Absolutely harrowing stuff. Here's the thing though, we never actually saw them properly identifying the mycologist. They kind of just took the word at a random cafe staff member who was like, oh yeah, that's her. There's, like, an alternate universe here where the Indonesian government commits a totally unnecessary genocide on the word of some random, fed-up, anarchist lollipop lady. Like, there's no revocation here. It's like, bomb the city, and it's like, can, can I just see your papers? <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know if you're qualified to make that decision. We go back to 2023. Ellie woke up at gunpoint from a freaked-out Joel and Tess asking questions about her bite-over breakfast. Uh, Ellie had a chicken sandwich while Joel and Tess snacked on a scabby bit of jerky, which I suppose is the contraceptive equivalent of if you're vaccinated you get a you get to have a nine-year-old meal in the pub uh, they wander through an incredible looking deserted Boston landscape before coming across a horde of hundreds of infected riding together on the ground there we learn that the infected are all connected and moving packs kind of like pre-teens and mams who should know better on their way to Harry Styles concerts with the long way blocked they now have to go to a certain death route through a museum where it's quickly apparent that something more dangerous at hand and so we meet for the first time ever we meet the clickers and for anyone who hasn't seen them yet, clickers look like how I used to imagine my face did in secondary school every time I got a spot, and when they scream, it sounds like Katie Harvey doing karaoke. (laughs) <laughs> she just gave me a little look there. She's <laughs> not arguing though. Let's just show that <laughs> Clickers are blind, but they have super hearing and bat-like echolocation abilities. After a super intense encounter, Ellie's, gra- Ellie's gasp when she first spots a clicker gives their position away, and their heroes have to fight for their lives to beat not one, but two of them. Anyone who played the game though, they had notes man. Come on. First off, waste the limited ammo. Making noise is such a risk. Like the worst thing you can do is actually shoot at the clicker, because you're just going to attract more clickers. Just use epoxy shiv, Joel, come on. And if he's like, oh, I didn't have a shiv equipped, well, I didn't see you open up one drawer or cabinet, so that's on you, pal. But points to Tess for using a melee weapon, though, which is an effective clicker killing technique. We all know this, anyone who's played the games. In the end, they arrive at the Capitol building to find it abandoned as it appears the Fireflies all killed each other uh, after the infection broke out between them. Tess gets frantic when it comes to light that she had been bitten. There's no time for emotional goodbyes, however, as one of the Firefly corpses reanimates and needs be put down which activates the horde we encountered earlier on on Tess's insistence Joel and Ellie run for safety as the house is overrun but as the infected are overrunning the house one spots Tess in the corner and gives her a little little Eskimo kiss a little weird little nuzzle he starts the old uh the old one two three the old two four six uh, but before he could get to seven 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 Tess blew the whole building leaving Joel and Ellie on their own heading for Bill and Franks as we closed out episode two there you go. From me, another excellent episode of, of The Last of Us. That goes out saying, oh, people know I'm a super fan at this stage. So guys, finally, let's get to the topic that I've encouraged you to, to only reveal to me on air. I want to know your thoughts. Katie, we'll start with you. The Last of Us, what are your thoughts on the show so far? No contrarian, by the way, Katie Harvey, uh, loves having a, a different opinion to, to the crowd. So what are your thoughts on the unanimously love The Last of Us?
2: <laughs> do, do you think I loved it? I think it did. I think it did. Yeah,
0: I loved it. Yeah. I loved, it. I loved all of it. I loved all of it. Like,
2: I knew I was going to love it because I love Pedro Pascal. Yes. Like, you know, I'm obsessed with anything he does. So that was already a big, a big tick in the column. The only thing that annoys me is, um, I remember Phil playing the game. Mm. And I remember as he was playing, him explaining the storyline to me. Oh, so the more I watch, it's starting to come back in flashes what no. he was saying so I'm like desperately trying like for once I want baby brain to kick in <laughs> and just like erase <laughs> it from my mind Um, but no I do I really love it I, I think it's. I think it's I'm not sure if it's going to fill the walking dead hole I'm back re that from the start Um, <laughs> but like it fits in nicely because the last few months as well I've been watching a lot of like creature horror movies so like I'm very in this mind space of like sci-fi horror creatures and um it's just so well done and like I think I'm like picking up little things watching it and then I'll read a a theory or something else that somebody's picked up and I'm like it's got layers like it's gonna have that rewatch value where you're constantly just seeing different things so um yeah no I, I love I love it so far
0: Amazing okay I'm delighted to hear that okay can we go two for two here corporate keen you know sometimes like Game of Thrones you know you watched it but you're a bit like you weren't as into it as everyone else you know you have your own individualized taste so I'm wondering kind of what are your thoughts because I know you are very very loyal to The Walking Dead so again sometimes when you get something that's too similar to something it may actually put you off so what are your thoughts on on The Last of Us? Uh overall I liked it. I thought uh well the
3: reason I, I liked it was the pacing. I thought like the first two episodes, especially the first one was like the you know the length of a fucking film. But it it it, it went by I thought at, at a reasonable pace, especially the second episode. Like I thought as somebody who's never followed the games or, or knows what's going on, I thought it was kind of obvious that the woman, I, I don't know the names, is it Tess? Yeah. Uh I, I thought it was obvious that she was dying, but I thought that was gonna be like dragged out for ages. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But like the fact that she died at the end of that episode, I was like, oh, that's actually that's that's good. That, I like I like that sort of pace. Um, I don't think it's like the walking dead at all. I don't consider them yeah. zombies. And the one thing I don't this is like the things I like and don't like, and the things I don't like about the show aren't things that I would really like criticize or rip into it for because it is mm-hmm. really just personal taste. Um obviously I like. I don't like fantasy or like sci-fi or like, you know what I mean? All the yeah. sort of, uh, you know, unrealistic kind of stuff. And the reason why I love zombie apocalypse, even though, even though it kind of contradicts that, um, is because most zombie apocalypse shows are like, for example, The Walking Dead is the present day world today, but with zombies. <laughs> uh, and that's why I find that the show is kept, uh, for me anyway, like less and less appealing as time goes on, because the world <laughs> is, as time goes on, more different to the one that's like, that we're in today. You know what I yeah. mean? And yeah. this is obviously right from the start. Twenty years ahead of where, well, tech like you know what I mean. This is like twenty years after the apocalypse. Um, yeah. But one thing that uh, that I loved actually was the start of the first episode as well. Because I, I was like, hmm, why are we starting two thousand three? That's a bit of a weird, you know, it's, that's a bit of a random year to start with. Like, what, what, what's going on here? And I, <laughs> I know it was like a time jump right like that because I don't watch trailers or anything like that either. Yeah. So I was literally like fully in the dark with it. <laughs> And then, like when his daughter got killed, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that was another thing." That's <laughs> that's why I was like, "This is actually again really good pacing." It's like this happened like you know, what I mean, halfway through the first episode or whatever it was. So I'm like, "It's you know, like it's not a massive compliment coming from me because I refuse to ever give up on a show." Like yeah. even fear the Walking Dead, I hate it, and I'll talk, but I could literally talk about that. I I should do my own podcast on that, right? I have so much <laughs> to say about it. But uh, <laughs> the last few episodes, I'm postponing it for a while. I'm gonna wait till every episode's out, but I will eventually get around to watching that, despite it being. So it's not a massive compliment But I will uh, Watch all of the last of us If there's You know okay. However many seasons I think it, I think it's, it's definitely Got my attention at least
0: Okay interesting It's it's interesting That kind of thinking about You know Could it happen And is this sci-fi or not I don't know if you've Had much time to do Googling around the subject And the quadriceps And could this happen It's it's scarily possible <laughs> and like I, i've been reading interviews with scientists who study this kind of fungi in particular and like a lot of their opinions are it's possible it's not probable which is not reassuring like we have lived through covid <laughs> we're just like if there's a chance then i'm terrified like and, and that's kind of what they go into like um the cold opens are kind of reinforcing this and making it seem more credible. And I think that's kind of giving it the deaths that you're speaking of that maybe the walking dead didn't have because they're taking the time to kind of explain, this is how it happens. This is how it goes. This is how different people are reacting to it at different stages rather than just focusing on our hero. We had kind of in this, the mycologist who was played by Christine Hakim, who's apparently the Indonesian Meryl Streep, like Indonesian people were like, you know, crazy, go crazy that she was actually in this. Um, what were your thoughts on this setup where it was just like bomb? Like we heard the clip there to kind of kick us in, like immediately going to bomb the entire city. What were your own kind of feelings? So that for me, I found that absolutely I found that stuff is the stuff I find terrifying about this show. <laughs> where you're like, that's what people will do. Like <laughs> I have really strong opinions with that. Because I like
3: I've wondered for years, I've tried Googling it and nobody has an answer. Like, why the fuck they do that? Like they did it in uh The Walking Dead with Atlanta as well. Like it to me, it's like bombing a city to contain the virus defeats the purpose of it's like saying oh yeah I got rid of the, the rash that was on my arm because I just I just sawed my arm off do you know what I mean because I don't have to deal <laughs> with that anymore it's like yeah that's great I mean technically you don't but like it's just like the measure is so extreme that there's almost no point in doing it because it's like that that in
0: itself is is worse if not just as bad as the virus i think i don't know morally yes but like and this is what i love this is like this is what the last of us has it starts you having these debates like where you're just thinking (laughs) about like is it the right thing to do from a practical standpoint like when you get to that stage it's already gone too far that you're then thinking how can i limit the damage to the most capability? and that's where it gets scary because that's where like governments and armies have to make decisions around like right we know millions are gonna die can we stop it from being billions do you know what i mean mean and that's where they're like so we have to make a decision here we have to kill 20 million people and that's awful and it's genocide but it's actually the least worst option you know what i mean so it's just kind of it's it's setting those stakes as as bad morally yes you're right it's there's no right answer here but like again they're like the entire planet's dead or it's just these 20 million people um katie your own thoughts on on the cold open and that kind of the setups that they're doing where they're kind of giving you the background behind it
2: yeah, I, I was reading something really interesting. It says, wonder why I found it so sort of like chilling. And um basically it's because it was her that suggested the bombing and it was the military man that looked horrified. Yeah. <laughs> like I love that twist on it. Cause usually it's like the military lads that are just like, right, come on, let's do it. Like I already have it locked and loaded. But the fact it was like he was so horrified that that's what she suggested. He was he went in, Jesus, Betty, she has strong opinions. <laughs> right. Um he had such like faith that she would just have a vaccine like and I suppose after being through COVID as well like and obviously it was set pre-COVID he was just like yeah but we need a vaccine as if she was going to pull one out of her arse you know what I mean (laughs) but like that's the faith that people had in in doctors and I suppose even before COVID that's a very realistic thing you know every outbreak we've had there's been a vaccine developed so he's just I just found that really cool the way he he was just like, What what do you mean? There's no vaccine. What do you mean there's no way to stop this? That like bombing is the answer. Um yeah, I just thought it was really cool. And then I was reading as well how they they traced the actual outbreak back to Jakarta in like really subtle things to the first episode. He's probably talked about that already, but like that's like that's just such clever writing, you know? That's the stuff that like you keep discovering the more you talk to people and the more you rewatch it. So yeah, I thought it was a really, really cool (laughs) opening.
0: Did this you hear about uh, The Flower Theory, by the way? Yes, go yeah, for it. Yeah, that's that's, that's that that what that I was talking about. about. Oh, all right, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, go for it, though. Like, for anyone who hasn't heard it.
3: Oh, I can't... Well... Uh, what's, it's like something Like the flower Something wrong In the flower factory Or something like that And they mentioned it In the second episode But if you look back At the first episode They have all these Different reasons for like Not eating like Baked goods yeah. And they all the people Who didn't eat the baked goods Ended up surviving And, and living through the chaos Instead of you know <laughs> Instead of the, the granny Next door who ended up Eating what was yeah, it Cookies or ke- yeah, Cookies yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah And she ended yeah. up turning And it's like oh
0: shit yeah. I, don't, I don't know how that works But that sounds pretty bad Joel and Sarah Didn't have pancakes For breakfast Because yeah. uh, Joel forgot to get the eggs yeah you forgot the birthday cake Yeah, yes. you the
2: birthday cake yeah, yeah they had and all these like, opportunities <laughs> like J- jakarta is legitimately apparently the biggest exporter of flour in the world so it's oh. like even on a real life level that's another thing like that, that that ties it in
0: this is what happens when you get the director of chernobyl behind your show like it's craig madsen is so this is actually interesting because the first episode was Craig Mazin directing Neil Druckmann's show. So Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin are making it together. Neil Druckmann made the video game. This episode was Neil Druckmann directing a Craig Mazin written episode, but it actually felt like Chernobyl in that scene. Particularly. I was just thinking this is pure Chernobyl. This is about the nitty gritty into how this actually happened and and, and what went wrong. Uh, Amazing stuff. I absolutely loved it. Um, we got a bit of a deep insight now into Joel and Ellie. I know we're chatting last week um, with the two Kevs around like Ellie and we didn't really get much of her uh, and Bella Ramsey's portrayal of her to kind of make a strong opinion. We got more of that here and we really got to see Joel, Pedro Pascal for me, you, you learn so much about him by little choices that he makes. Like even like he'll make little smart ass comments that kind of tell you he's had a teenage daughter before. Do you remember when like she's walking into the room and she's like, it's written bad in here. And he's like, only you and stuff like that. He'll make little smart ass comments where you can tell he's still got a bit of humanity, but then there's other little choices that he makes. Like this wasn't in the game or anything like where, um, when he realizes Tess is infected and she kind of walks towards him, he just flinches and he just takes a step back, you know? So you're kind of seeing so much into the characters through little things. Now, what are your own impressions of Joel and Ellie? Like how are you kind of taking them as characters so far? Um, well, one
3: thing I, before I get to that, one thing I will say I found really funny was when uh Tess revealed that she was infected, I was expecting it to be like you know, like a like a bite, you know, like a nibble, like you'd see in the walking dead, and her whole fucking collarbone was like gone. I was like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I shouldn't notice that like earlier. <laughs> I guess she managed to hide that. I don't know. But um yeah, Joan Ellie, I mean, like I will be honest, I'm not overly invested in the characters yet. Um, okay. but I would say a lot of that is because it's just still pretty early into the show. Um, sometimes I do take a while to warm up the characters so I wouldn't say I've got a massive problem but I did find it um, funny when I realised that it was your man who got his head crushed by the mountain that... <laughs> I was like oh my god it's him and then when I recognised Leanna Mormon I was like yeah. oh right <laughs> I was like, this is mad but um,
0: yeah they're, they're alright And I don't really have strong opinions either way in the characters uh, just yet Okay, interesting. Katie, your thoughts? Y'all and Ellie, how are you feeling about them now? And, and do you have any kind of preference or uh, uh, like what's going on? This is what I love about people who like watch a show. that you already kind of know? <laughs>
2: um, I I really like how they wrote Ellie in the second episode because I think it's hard to get smartest teenager right and have it not be annoying as fuck. Yeah. So I think I like I think they're getting the balance right with her where she's making smart remarks but then like when they're in the hotel and like she reverts to like a scared little girl because she sees a corpse you know um I, I I think they're playing that really really well and then you can kind of see Joel warming to her slightly and I, I absolutely loved the scene where they came face to face with the guard and he had the flashback to the first episode of holding his daughter and it just kind of explained like it, it kind of explained how he's going to be for the whole series to me you know what I mean this is his this is his makeup you know for for his daughter dying it's like okay well if i can protect this girl it's gonna go some way towards like making amends even though it wasn't his fault what happened to his daughter but like you can kind of see the cogs turn in his head already that like okay shit like this is almost like a surrogate daughter for me so i I like it like i i think i I think they're writing her the right way for now
0: um, I agree with the, exactly what you said. I had the same thoughts myself this week as we kind of really got to see Ellie's so important because like, for the the show and the story to work, you have to feel certain ways about her, and, like, you have to feel strongly, like, whatever way they go, you have to feel strongly about it, like, um, and it, last week, we just didn't get enough of her, but this week, they started to kind of get it in, because, like, again, it's okay where you just sympathize with her, you like her, but we have kids like that all the time, and that's just a generic kid trope, you have to, you have to, like, you have to love Ellie, you know what I mean, you have to actually feel the same way Joel feels about her, do you know what I mean, like, not Joel, but, like, you know, in, in what you're saying, like, Sir kind of parent role, you have to have that almost protectiveness of Ellie and stuff like that as well for it to work and part of that is her being charming and her being good but like she is a defensive teenager who's a bit of a little shit at times too but what I like about even in her humour and her smart archery is that element of vulnerability like you're saying, do you know what I mean? Like do you remember she kept asking for a gun and then like Joel's like no and then she's like alright I'll throw a fucking sandwich at him there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> her smart arse isn't like just being a dick to other people, it's just her. She's been a bit self depreciating or, or just fun, just generally funny. Like, um, so yeah, I think so. I was very reassured by how they handled Ellie, and like, I'm totally over the fact Bella Ramsey doesn't look like Ellie in in the games. So like, I, I I'm I'm in. I think she's absolutely nailing it, and I just can't wait to see more. And keen. I, I get what you're saying where you're still like kind of waiting to be connected. I don't feel that that's wrong for what they've shown you. I'm very certain knowing that some things are coming up and knowing some things they've had in the trailer and knowing what they mean and how they impact people, you're going to get there. Um, But again, like, you know, that's, We'll, we'll see so, but I, I wouldn't say you're feeling wrong or anything for for how you're feeling yet yeah, that's that's kind of a fair assessment at this stage there's some absolutely speaking of the video game there's some absolutely perfect recreations of it in this and it's it's very like you'd notice that the video game creator made this like so some of the scenery like the hotel the museum ellie walking across the wood is literally a shot for shot copy of it it's the type of thing where we we're saying last week with the two kevs it's like that leonardo dicaprio meme the entire time we're just like, oh, it's know that <laughs> the entire time Uh the Capitol building looks identical. And even then there were so many Easter eggs from Neil Druckmann around the video game where it's like Ellie can't swim using stealth to avoid the clickers. It actually felt like the video game, the way they were kind of crawling around. Like you do that in the game, you're crawling around furniture just to get away from them. Um, but then like stepping on broken glass without realizing it kind of sets them off. That's a game trope as well. Um, the room, the previous room they were in falling down. So they weren't able to go back. Uh, Crossing the planks, like we said, giving the character um a, a boost, like to get up to places, blocking doors off as well, lock doors. Um, video game video gamers will definitely be looking at the doors that are locked and going, "There's so much ammo in that room. If I can find a way to unlock that door, I am minted." Um, but even like the way that they taped up their wounds at the end, they had sound effects that were straight out of the game. So loads of Easter eggs to love, but again, loads of new stuff too. What I kind of want to know is though. There's a lot of like world building in this. How are you finding this post-apocalyptic world? Having been used to kind of where it's kind of desolate at times, but then it gets really intense at other times. Whereas, like if you went out in the world in The Walking Dead, it was much heavier populated, especially around the cities. How's that kind of settling with you, Katie? What's that with you?
2: Oh god, it's hot. I thought I to mute myself. I'm already unmuted. <laughs> 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 i'm just trying to spare you listening to the melon in the background um yeah like uh like it's definitely the background's a lot more interesting than the walking dead i appreciate that like we had what 11 seasons of the forest pretty much in the walking dead so i actually really like the change to a city um though i have to say when they went into the museum or did remind me of that episode of the walking dead that started in the museum remember when they went in for the plough
0: Oh yeah, it gave me it gave me vibes of that. Good show. Um
2: but uh yeah, I like it's like like he said, it's like it doesn't overly remind me of the walking dead, um, because because the sets are different enough. One thing I kind of miss, like you said, is like a bigger cast because yeah. in The Walking Dead, like you could have asked us all our favorite characters, and we probably all would have had a different top three, at least. Yeah. Whereas here like I hope they do introduce more characters. I know I obviously haven't played the video game, so I don't know like who else there is to come in and out of it, but I would like some more population in it.
0: Yeah, there is definitely other characters. Oh, um but it's very centered on Joel and Ellie's adventure. So the characters they meet are the characters they'll come across in various different ways as the time goes on. Um, But it's definitely different in that. You don't have like a core set of characters. You've Joel and Ellie, but you're thinking about Joel and Ellie, but the story is designed to get you thinking about them at all times because it's going to twist and turn from here. So, um, but yeah, I definitely hear that's a huge difference. Keen, what are your own thoughts?
3: Yeah, I kind of prefer the Walking Dead setup in that respect. Like, I like having, I like being able to go, T Dog, he's the man, you know what I mean? Or Eugene, or you know what I mean? Like random characters that pop in. I'm like, yeah. But yeah, I'm not really, I, I just, in shows generally, I'm not overly into like the main character always, do you know what I mean? So if it's like, especially if it's built around two characters specifically, if I'm not really into those characters, then I'm. Um, it's not as exciting for me, you know, to watch. Uh, I I do prefer significantly an urban environment to a rural one when it comes to apocalypse shows and stuff like that. Um, it looks really interesting. I I do I enjoy looking at the buildings and stuff and seeing like you know this is what like a post-bomb city. You know, twenty years on. It looks like um the one thing i don't really like though uh, this is just again it's not it's not criticism of the show it's not something they should change it's just personal taste Mm. i don't consider like the creatures in this show to be zombies do you know what i mean like this isn't like for me this isn't a zombie show this is a, a different type of apocalyptic show you know what i mean one like the sort of zombies you see in kind of a what is it? Is it I Am Legend and oh, what's the other one where they're kind of running and screaming and jumping and clicking? <laughs> and even like to look at it's like that doesn't even look like an, an eroded human, you know, or they're not even supposed to be dead, I don't think they're
0: supposed to be like uh living, they're being controlled, of... yeah, they're yeah. being controlled by the fungus, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, it's not what
2: I was gonna say, it, remind, like, it reminds me of a film, but you will not get the reference
0: to it <laughs> it at all because it's
2: definitely one you have not seen, um, but like the Super Mario Brothers movie from the early 90s.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're, the obvious comparison, we're all thinking of it.
2: <laughs> no, but like, have you seen it? Have you seen it? Do you remember it?
0: Years when I was a child, like, yeah. yeah. So
2: like the, the the creatures in that were, were controlled by a sort of fungus uh, goo type thing that came down through the walls. Like, you're going to get tweets about this because I'm right. Um, <laughs> but like, that's, I I, I kind of get what Keith said about they don't feel like zombies. It scared the shit out of me the first time they start running. <laughs> um <laughs> it seems more creature feature to me, which like I said, I've been watching a lot of that recently. Um I don't know if you've just seen Barbarian, this
1: film yes, that was out uh me.
2: And the titty witch, like it kind of. <laughs> I feel like it's a, it's a, I feel like it's a whole gang full of titty witches, <laughs> <out> of zombies.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is. It isn't a zombie show. And like what I'll always say is, it's it's a show about grief and loss that's kind of set in the zombie in in the apocalypse. But it's not. They are very different. Like as well, like kind of you know they, they, But there's a few different things that for me. I find this much scarier than The Walking Dead so far. And again, like that's, that's completely talking about the show alone. Like that's nothing to do with the game because I'm having a completely different experience to what I did when I played it. Um, like the intensity The realism of it The fact that it's based In science and reality Do you know what I mean Like even today I was reading kind of a, a mycologist interview And they were saying like Yeah COVID has actually Made us more susceptible To fungi illnesses Because now many of us After COVID are Immunocompromised So whereas You need fungus- to go a hole <laughs> I love, I, love, I love it because it allows me To buy in so quicker you know what I mean it allows it, It's terrifying to me that this could happen You know what I mean and then everything you watch Has stakes because we've lived through COVID And we've done that where we've seen The worst case scenario happen and then it's like Holy shit um, so I love that Aspect of it as well I love the fact that they're Connected that's such a unique idea Like they, they call that, and that's a Real thing like when fungus take over Ants uh, they'll take it over in the Forest it's called the wood wide web um, Like where they're Connected to each other, and there's the kind of things you may have heard, like references to trees are able to speak to each other. Um, and that's true fungus as well. Like, so it's 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 incredible. Like, and I'm fascinated with that. Um, so I I I agree they're not zombies, but I find them almost scarier. Well, like what and th- disgusting. Those tendrils lads. those like coming out of <laughs> their mouths, like that's <laughs> one aspect I found kind of
3: interesting about uh the zombie kissing uh tests yeah. was that apparently like they don't they can spread without being violent if you don't fight them apparently like you know mean? obviously in like The Walking Dead it's like (laughs) well like here it's like their job isn't necessarily to like kill the human it's just to get into the human you know what I mean so if the human doesn't fight then it's like it's kind of a different way of getting infected I I thought that aspect was pretty interesting
0: yeah, I think as well. Like, it kind of. I think that was them identifying that she was one of them, um, and like they could tell that she'd been bitten and she was infected, and they they she didn't. They didn't see her as a threat either. So like, that's why so many were running by her. But then the one that stopped didn't kind of attack her or kind of get defensive or didn't scan her to see that he just went over and and lobbed the gob essentially. Flickers <laughs> um, are kind of new, um, and and this is kind of an, an evolution of it. I don't know, kind of. Keen, did you kind of th- because there was a thing where, um, I was listening to the HBO podcast with, with Craig Mazin and, and Neil Druckmann kind of talking about it, and they said that they had to reshoot the scene. Do you remember when Pedro Pascal kind of uh goes, They can't see, but they can hear, and he kind of gestures that to uh Ellie. That had to be re-shot because again they felt that they weren't clear enough in that. So, do you guys get how clickers work? Does that make sense to you? Like, what what's going on there and why they get click? That at the time, I I uh, I didn't get that at the time, but obviously. Now I do I think it's uh, an interesting concept So they have echolocation. So why they click is It's the same way bats do the same Um, Where they'll make noise And where they make noise in that direction. If you move or make a sound They can pick up where you are They can see you, They can tell where you are And that's how they're able to kind of go Why? And that's why bats can kind of Tell where you are in the dark Or find a way around in the dark And so on Um, Just to kind of give a background For anyone who hasn't watched Or who hasn't kind of played the games Or something Clickers are like stage wow so you have like you don't have walkers in this you don't have zombies there's different types so they're kind of classified as the, the people you would have seen at the end they're runners Um, you have stalkers who are kind of in between clickers as well i won't tell you what stalkers do you can kind of probably guess a fair bit of it um but then the, if, if you've been a zombie or if you've been infected for over a year you then become a clicker um oh me, right and, and that's kind of like so the evolutions and again it evolves more, but I'm not gonna tell you because yeah, yeah. let it happens. <laughs> um, awesome, with
2: with with the clickers, why couldn't people just have thrown something so they make a noise somewhere else and have them run after
0: it? You're right. And and, and people who played the game are like throw a brick, throw a bottle. <laughs> like it's... oh yeah,
2: okay. All right. I thought yeah. I was missing some like some like mad important detail there when I was watching it. I was like so why aren't they just throwing something and running away? Like <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. No, you're right. Like, but again, kinda I, I also thought they did that scene very well, like in a very Jurassic Park kind of way, where they're like, if we get this wrong, we definitely die. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's it's very easy for us to sit back in the comforts of our own homes and be like, just throw a bottle and it'd, it'd be grass, but like <laughs> if we're in there, we'd probably be a bit more frozen, you know what I mean? Because you're like, I've zero margin for error here. It's my life if I get it wrong, you know. Um, what are your thoughts on clickers? are uh, did it, did did that scene kind of how did you find that that scene like it was pretty intense um
3: yeah like it was i thought the scene was very good i thought it was very they did a good job of building tension and that sort of thing um again i'm just like i don't know what it is i'm just not into like monsters you know what i mean like right. like what appeals to you about a zombie again it's not realistic I, I, i'm hesitant to use the word realistic when talking about like a zombie apocalypse show but like I like the idea that it's like a human, but in this like a different form, like a human where there's something off about them, do you know what I mean? Whereas a clicker is so fucked. (laughs) But it it makes a bit more sense to me now that you've explained the whole like stages. I didn't get that at the time, so I was very lost. Um, I, 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 I don't know, it's, it's cool in one sense and it's interesting in one sense, but in the other I'm like also a bit like disconnected
0: from it because I, I just, yeah. I don't know, it's like I can't really
3: comprehend what I'm looking at kind of, but it's, it's interesting.
0: Okay, okay. Clickers, how that's how that scene sound for you, uh, Katie?
2: Yeah, I really liked them and I really loved um, where Joel had the flashlight and he was reloading yes. and you heard the click and get closer. um Like, it was very cinematic to me, you know, using sound to tell the story. Yeah. Um, i really like that and, and like you mentioned jurassic park it's like you know the famous scene with the water on the dashboard yeah. and it's how you know that something is coming closer Um, so i thought they did a really good job with that Um, they do look a little bit cartoony to me so once the reveal happened i i probably didn't love it as much yeah but um like i like i wasn't scared of them like the te- the tension dissipated slightly just because what do they remind me of? They just they look like a flower to me, you know, like a Venus flytrap or something.
0: Yeah, it yeah, makes sense.
2: So like, yeah, I, I didn't find them as scary, but like up until they were kind of revealed, I, I thought like, like I was I was like, OK, yeah, like this is like a horror movie.
0: That that's the, like, but you're 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 picking up on the right things there because that's kind of the way that you feel around clickers. It's more the sound of them and the fact that they're around, but you don't know where they are. And you're like, if I get it wrong, I'm fucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like that that that's part of it too. So that's a fair observation. Um, a couple of differences from the game for anyone wondering or anyone kind of who's interested in the comparison side by side in the game. Tess dies at the exact same points, but uh, but it's actually Fedra agents who kill her. There was a change here where Craig Mazin ask the question that I don't know how i would never asked or a lot of gamers never asked like why are lo- Phaedra looking for them out th- When they're not out far outside the QZ It doesn't actually make any sense So they replaced that altogether uh, Also Ellie didn't get bit at this stage in the game She actually proved she was immune to Joel By being able to walk through spores uh, Which is they, they, they've they got rid of The idea of spores Like Where it's just like there are rooms and sections Where there's spores that if you breathe in the spores You'll then become infected Because when you actually make it scientific And try and make it realistic It's like spores would just grow everywhere And just take over the world so they just they changed that up and that's where they brought in the kind of connectivity side of it and that's that's more how this works instead um so that's how she proved to joel she wasn't infected by getting bit but then the contrast between what uh what tess is suffering and what ellie's suffering we kind of touched on the kiss at the end um like and and that's it was <laughs> mildly traumatized, nightmare-inducing a little bit for me anyway. Um, what were your own thoughts on the kiss? Was it creepy? Was it effective? Was it just weird? Were you a bit freaked out or did it work? Is it going to haunt your dreams? Katie, where's the kiss sitting for you?
2: Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm desensitized because I was just like, what's the thing that happened? Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like,
0: what a normal you know way to act.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like because my whole thing behind it was obviously she was trying to keep herself steady to light the lighter um, and yeah. so I was like I was like oh that's a that's like selfless to the end you know what I mean like because that that wouldn't be a nice way to go and um, so yeah but like it didn't bother me like I've seen some people online saying like oh my god it's so horrific and traumatizing and this and that and I'm like I just didn't feel that way about it at all
0: I love that. Good girl test. Taking one for the team. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bullet. You're taking a bullet there. <laughs> I think it's the, the tendrils coming out of the mouth. It's just, it's getting to me a little bit. It's like, uh, the less of that, the better. Like, when the doctor at the start pulled the tendrils out and they were still moving like they were worms, and I'm like, oh, uh, that just, yeah, I, I don't know. That's the physical horror that, like, it's kind of sick to me. Uh, Keen, your own thoughts on the kiss? Was it effective? Was it weird? Was it just, how was, how was that selling with you? Yeah,
3: I'd be more in your camp there. I thought it was rotten. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I, I think that shit's disgusting. So I'm like, yeah, I, I don't like it at all, not <laughs> maybe um, I'm
2: just like it just looks like something you'd see in like a teenage disco and brace. So maybe I'm just like <laughs> not.
0: Oh yeah, no, we shifted your one with the tendrils <laughs> over there. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious Um, Interesting note as well Like there was kind of The last message That Tess gave to Joel Was save who you can save And I kind of heard In the HBO podcast That they were talking about How that was almost A message to say Get over Sarah You can actually save Ellie You know what I mean And we can kind of see Katie you talked about the evolution. And I don't think it's kind of too much of a spoiler that what you said, that's the, the way the character seems to be heading, at least for now. Um, He's evolving in that direction. He's feeling more and more protected the more time he spends with Ellie. Although obviously look now, the two of them are going to be at odds because Ellie was starting to bond with Tess. We could see it there, like Tess showing her little nod of respect, telling her she had balls earlier in the episode and Ellie having a little proud smile. And then Joel obviously, had an ambiguous possibly romantic relationship with Tess and the only reason Tess is dead now is because Ellie's there so I don't know that may scupper and that may affect their relationship and impact it this show is kind of going a little bit different in the way that the, it does with the games um, but there was she turned around and said save her you can save so that's the, the little message that she's leaving with Joel, and I think that's going to be important um, so that's kind of the show that was the episode itself of the two episodes what, what was your guys favourite so far? oh um uh
3: probably the first no, i'm gonna say the first well i don't know probably the first one i mean there's only been two, so <laughs> i yeah, don't know if it's yeah, like know. the greatest most prestigious prize in the world but uh <laughs> <laughs> i just think yeah uh, i think because with pilots you kind of come in and you're like uh you know you're kind of this, this is, but with me anyway there's a bit of like i don't want to say skepticism because I, I wanted to like the show obviously from the start but there's almost like a kind of nervous sort of like oh am i gonna like this am i not gonna like this you know what i mean uh whereas so I, I i didn't really know what to expect so i think it did a good job of uh sort of getting me into it in one episode you know what i mean i, I kind of
0: so uh, yeah i'm gonna go with episode one okay katie a favorite of the two
2: yeah maybe episode one and it's it's kind of something we've talked about off air where um i like seeing the outbreaks Mm. and like not a lot of shows give a lot of time to it and like as keen mentioned this was a, a film length episode like almost just dedicated you know a big chunk of it to the outbreak so yeah i i kind of like seeing that um nice. and again there was more characters and stuff which is something i like so yeah probably probably episode one
0: okay interesting i think as well like and i hope that i, I i've obviously no idea but i hope that the. The, the opening continues in that way where it kind of takes us away from Joel and Ellie's story and tells us more about the outbreak do you know what I mean because I'm fascinated mm. by that as well like and I, I like that running team that they've kind of set so hopefully that keeps going have you any theories so far Katie you love uh, a
2: theory I do love a theory and I'm actively trying not to Okay. to look them up for this because people have played the game and yeah. it seems from what I've heard it does seem to be sticking very very close to what the game storyline is so I'm trying not to read too much into it but um yeah I don't know I don't I don't really have theories yeah okay
0: Okay. Okay. No worries. Well, do check in. If you do have something, let us know. And uh, because I'd be interested to see what you think. Like I, I you're, my favorite theory that you've ever had so far is Rob Stark. He's gonna make it all the way, like he's going, <laughs> <laughs> going the distance. Like, yeah, that was that was one of my faves. So I do want to check in on... <laughs> Keen, anything for <laughs> you? Have you got any idea where it's going? Any theories or any kind of oh, you see, like I watched people
3: play this game before right But like years ago Like when this game came out like what
0: 2013 or something like that 10 years ago yeah So
3: I watched people play this game start to finish in like 2014 or 15 I don't remember it I don't remember Like I I have a vague idea of why people want what, Like why Ellie is important But I don't remember what happens Okay. So, so I'm 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 not gonna go any theories or predictions. I'm just gonna just gonna see how it goes. You know, kind of wait? <laughs> In case you accidentally trigger a memory, is it? Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. Literally, I'm, I'm actually scared. I don't want to explore any further. So I'm, like, I'm 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 yeah, good.
0: Yeah. I, I, blissful ignorance. Do you know what I mean? Okay, okay, good stuff. That's the last of us episode two. Before we go, guys, obviously, look, we we started off talking about wrestling. Uh, that's where we kind of made our bread and butter. It is a big wrestling weekend. One of the biggest of the year. The Royal Rumble is on this Saturday. Uh, which, by the way, look of a Saturday wrestling pay-per-view, can't beat it it's amazing for to Sundays um, but obviously it's coming in a very interesting time uh, and I want to get your thoughts, so obviously the Royal Rumble's happening but the, the kind of biggest news in WWE right now is happening more behind the scenes, uh, Vince McMahon has kind of forced his way back into the fold um, although <laughs> there is talent meetings where they're saying for now nothing is changing and it's not very reassuring because like every day there seems to be more and more changing and a few months ago they had it where they're like Vince is definitely gone, and you can set your watch. Whereas now Nick Hahn is doing interviews with Bill Simmons and he's like, Yeah, I knew Vince was always gonna come back. And it's like, Well, you don't tell us that he's never gonna come back then. Um, but is that kind of hampering your because obviously, look. Every wrestling fan loves the Royal Rumble. Keen, you in particular, you love a Royal Rumble. Is this kind of ruining it, the kind of concern, or just the moral side of having Vince back, or just the kind of concern that he might get involved and kind of have an influence in in what happens, or are you able to just disconnect from that and enjoy the product separately? Did you watch Raw? I did watch Raw. You did? Yeah.
3: Because it featured probably the best segment on WWE TV since I don't even know how many years. I,
2: like... (laughs) Like Katie, did you see this? I haven't watched it yet. I'm waiting on Phil to get home. Ah oh my god. I'm is not... it is it is it the bloodline segment though? It's the trial. Yes. <laughs> I haven't like I've I've heard about it, so feel free to talk about it. I will oh, watch it when he gets home
3: though. My god, that as somebody who has obviously been watching the, the bloodline stuff play out since you know since the very beginning, and you know, seeing how much like Jay hated Sami Zayn at the start to see that oh my god i was literally crying i was like come on <laughs> I mean, this is the best this is the fucking best And like it also it also pushes us a little bit hopefully further away from the usos versus kevin owens Sami zayn i know a lot of people still think that's gonna happen i honestly think after that after that first hour as well you have to go with zayn reigns i don't know how they get there i love if Sami won the rumble but i can see him not winning it as well um but it had regardless. WrestleMania has to be Sammy Roman. This is what wrestling's all about, man. You know what I mean? There's no better option than this. Uh, like imagine, imagine Cody wins the Royal Rumble and and faces Roman Reigns. That'd be so shit. Now no one cares, and I also don't think. I think if if this was a year ago, I'd say right, yeah, Cody's probably going to win it. But I think nowadays, them doing video packages for Cody Rhodes and hyping him up to be entering the Rumble and making his return and all that sort of stuff, I think the reason they're doing that is because he's not going to be winning it. I think he's going to be the heavy favorite on paper, but I think it'd be very, very obvious if he was to just sort of like win it. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and I just think like, who else? You know, this is this is uh, the Bloodline are going to be in it. The, they're they're te- they're. See, here's the thing. I think that Sami Zayn's task. Going into this Royal Rumble, you know, the, the big test from Roman Reigns is going to be to, alongside the bloodline, eliminate all the threats. Get Cody out of there, get Seth out of there, get you know, Lashley, whoever, just get them all out of there, out of the Rumble. Um, but I think it's going to end up in somehow, some way, I don't know what how they're going to do it. I think Sammy's going to end up winning it. And I think that's that's going to be the big thing going into WrestleMania. I can't fucking wait. I am like, this is, this is uh, the most exciting I've been about WWE in I don't even fucking know how long. And it's only one storyline as well. This and the Gunter stuff, I really like what I do with Gunter as well. But, you know, you take that out of the equation, I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, it's all right. But, like, the, the Bloodline stuff for me is, like, must-see. And I am, I am, like, I might actually stay up for the Rumble. And I, I like, I hate staying up for Essen, but I will literally, I might do that on Saturday. Okay,
0: interesting. So no, Vince is not a pain in your ass. Uh, No, don't care. He's gonna <laughs> die soon, man. to be honest, like. Jesus. <laughs> Katie, are you able to similarly get into the better, or is, is all this kind of backstage drama kind of taking its toll on, you, on your fandom? Or how are you, like, it <sighs> you?
2: I think, I think if you say that, like Vince being back, you know, morally gets you. I think that's a little bit of a white lie because we've all kind of turned a blind eye to Vince for the duration of our, like we've we've always known he's not exactly a stand-up guy. There's always been (laughs) enough rumors and enough scandals and stories. I think you're being a bit disingenuous now if you take some sort of like moral crusade against him being back. Um, I think everyone to a certain degree has turned a blind eye to him. So like it doesn't necessarily bother me unless something like very concrete, like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a tricky one, but like, no, it doesn't really bother me, you know? Um, because I've watched WWE for years with a certain amount of knowledge about, um, so, uh, and, and there's plenty of other people making the organization run that, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's, Thrown out the baby with the bathwater, I think, you know, um, to say to say that about Vince. But like, I haven't really kept up with that much WWE recently, apart from NXT. I can't believe that's the one show I watch regularly every week now. <laughs> that makes uh, sense. But it, but it, but it is.
3: <laughs> You're watching it for Cora Jade, obviously. Cora Jade, yeah. And, uh,
2: Jane, yeah. <laughs> Apollo Crews. <laughs> obviously. Who I did not know was still in WWE until very recently, I have to say. um. But uh, yeah, no, like I love rumble season. I think even if, you, if you've gone a bit more casual like I have recently, I think the rumble is always still like really, really enjoyable. And they always like pull it out of the bag with surprises and stuff. So like, I can't wait to watch. I, I, I'm in Belgium wrestling on Saturday. Oh, but nice. um, I, I think I'm over there with a good crew. I'm over there with like uh, Debbie and Justy and Anita Vaughn and Phil. So I think we'll probably stay up and watch it, hopefully. Um, it's always a good time, the rumble um i have no idea who is going to win because i I, i'm not up to date enough but i know a lot of people are kind of saying like uh they wanted the rock versus roman at wrestlemania but now people are just as happy it looks like roman versus sammy like i have no interest in seeing the rock back for a match i don't know if i'm alone in that but like i'd be quite happy if he just like didn't come back at the rumble or didn't make an appearance between now and wrestlemania season the more I, the more I see Rock, the social media star, and and the Rock, the entertainment star. Like the less interest I have in seeing him. So yeah. like, Sammy, like even casually, I'm I'm very into like Sammy Zayn and Sammy versus Roman is definitely like the match I would love coming out of the Rumble.
0: Okay, interesting times. All right, so uh, so Lawyer Valk- Valkyria in the Rumble, not in the Rumble.
2: <laughs> I have I have told her I don't want to know anything ever. Nice.
0: Nice. like i i nice. have told
1: her
2: like i'll be your friend i will listen but no spoilers
0: <laughs> <laughs> who are you mean as man this is like a divided line and the friendship is like look i put up with a lot but not spoilers <laughs> yeah like you know
2: like uh, i just think for like imagine if your friend came out in the rumble you know ah, what
0: i mean
3: like oh yeah, my no. god stop I mean. and it's
0: only like it's i mean if the women's it's gonna sunday. happen one day it's gonna happen like when it could happen on sunday like they love doing that. Do you remember Rusev had just debuted in NXT and they brought him into the rumble when he was like Alexander Rusev? Yeah. And like he, he they went back down to NXT, but it was just nice as well. could happen. It's 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 remember
2: in. remember the and Dane got to like the final four.
0: Yeah. And like, people were
2: losing their minds.
0: It's not impossible. <laughs> like
2: Look. I get so like I, I've told her I, yeah, I, I've told her I don't want to know anything. I, I I'm really enjoying seeing her on NXT though. I think like they, they've they've yeah. given her really good spots, like um, it's it's British really really the, cool to see
3: third in the battle royal and only got eliminated because of uh, distractions
2: like she's getting the moments like you know yeah. when you four people left and you're in the corner and you have to stare yeah. off like that's <laughs> the stuff i'm popping for yeah and um, like that's that's like I'm, I'm i'm so excited watching her like i think it's i think it's great like and okay. she keeps getting fight factory mentioned on commentary which is Love you know that. a1 <laughs> <laughs>
0: um keen uh, so you're you're more tuned in so who've you got so you've got sammy for the men's rumble the women's rumble who are you thinking oh um for the women's rumble Uh, it's very tough who's even i'm like Rhea seems to be what who a lot of people are going with i still think they're doing Rhea ripley against bet phoenix i think that's going to be the match uh Rhea's talking about entering the men's rumble which Yeah like, I can
3: see her doing that And, and she's talking no, about thanks.
0: entering it But also consider like the, the storyline They did with Rhea and Beth Phoenix last summer Like that's setting up a Wrestlemania match Do you know what I mean So like imagine Rhea entered the Men trouble And then Beth entered the Men trouble again You know what I mean and that's what <laughs> have it out. Um, I think Bailey's going to win I think if you look at it The storyline has been Bay- Like since SummerSlam and since she came back Bailey has been the big heel um, And her and Bianca maybe throw Becky in there as well uh, because they're having a thing now. The that, that stuff happened on Raw as well. So I think Bailey personally. I think Bailey and I don't like it, but I'm going to say Cody. Um, I hope Sammy. I would love it if it was Sammy, but my my head says Cody. Um, but who 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 do you think for the women's rumble?
3: Women. Uh, uh, I mean, it's still I still don't see Shayna doing it. That still seems a bit too far-fetched and that's who, I, that's who I always want to see win the Rumble because I always want to be someone different you know what I mean Um, and I've always been a big fan of Shayna R- see like Ronda's not the champion now, so Charlotte on one brand and Bianca on the other Bianca
0: right um so you're not, probably, I, Charlotte's I, a face so you're probably talking to heel if they keep the belts on those people
3: um I think I think uh well you said Bailey. I, I think that's a pretty decent guess, actually. I'd, I'd probably I'd probably go Bailey as well, actually. I think I think I'm gonna go
0: no, I'm gonna go with uh Lyra Valkyria. I think that'd be it. Uh... Okay, there you go. There you go. <laughs> or who
3: actually NXT is, is an interesting one. Who is
0: or any surprises in general? Like is there oh,
3: any... oh oh I'm telling you right now Macadona showing up in that yeah, Zach combo. Ryder. Well really? oh, Zach no, Ryder. No, no. It won't me. be Zach Ryder, it'll be Macadona like as in heel like I'm Macardona now. And kind of, I think he'll do quite well He won't win it obviously But I think he'll do well And it'll yeah. be kind of like A new top kind of heel
0: Sort of thing That's my nice. prediction <laughs> KG Muto is, is not 100% out of the mix Because he's doing his retirement tour. Jay White Could be in the mix like Oh rumors. fucking hell It's going to be Jay White Isn't it <laughs> Nick, Nick Aldis is also potential um, Naomi in the women's rumble I... Oh shit Naomi yes.
3: Oh
2: that's a Oh they oh actually
3: I changed my answer right winners Naomi that'll be
2: b no. that'd be a
0: great show. Yeah
2: they're do they're doing the Natalia like she's taking the Natalia spot where she gets like a push every so often and then it just fizzles out after like two weeks. Like she'll get in and have a great rumble spot, but like they like she's not gonna win it. Like she's just not.
0: Okay. I thought you were saying say Natalia was going to win there for a second. I was like, okay. <laughs>
2: <Natalia>. <laughs>
1: um,
0: okay, exciting stuff, guys. Like, look, we just wanted to kind of touch on that because we could not, especially with the week that's in it. But if you do want to hear more, uh, believe it or not, like, this isn't the first Low Blows podcast we've done since we finished it. We do, like, pretty much every month, if you haven't been aware, um, on Corporate Keen's Patreon, we do not Low Blows. It's because it's not Low Blows. It's, it's oh. a different show completely. Very similar, but not the same. Uh, we do that once a month. So we're going to meet up uh, in the next couple of weeks and we're going to talk about our thoughts after the Royal Rumble. So if you want to do that, subscribe to Corporate Keen on uh, Patreon. You can also subscribe for free if you don't want to join the Patreon channel. You subscribe for free on YouTube. Keen, you put up a, a video this week?
3: Yeah, just uh, 31 Royal Rumble facts. Uh, very educational, informative video for anyone who likes
0: educational, informative videos. Good stuff. Katie Harvey, I believe you're a YouTuber now as well
2: oh i have a youtube channel yes if you could all like and subscribe (laughs) Uh, i believe that's what you need to request people to do uh (laughs) we're gonna put up all of the Five factory shows for free on the youtube channel so hopefully it'll be monthly content going up and you know maybe maybe a few other little bits and pieces um i don't want to put it behind a paywall i want people to watch the shows because i think they're great um and i think the wrestlers deserve to get watched um, yeah, so, so please hop on and subscribe to that. And also the Five Factory show coming up on 3rd of February. Buy a ticket. We have uh, Leighton Buzzard defending the ICW world title in a match that we didn't get in December
0: amazing stuff I can't wait I'm going to be there these shows are absolutely phenomenal so if you're missing your wrestling fix there's how you can find it we're still, we're all still out there we're also doing our own thing we're all still doing our own thing uh, together occasionally as well guys it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on thank you hope to catch up with you about The Last of Us I might check in which is closer to the end of the series and we'll see how that goes uh, but in the meantime thanks so much for joining us today alright that's all the time we've got on this episode of Page 180 next week we've got the two chems back to look at The Last of Us episode 3 that everyone who's seen it is describing it absolutely incredible, I can't wait. I'm also hoping to review the likes of the Fablemans, You People, Unwelcome, and Shotgun Wedding. I'm going to dip into sports for the first time as my old pal David Kendall, the Irish examiner joins me to preview the Six Nations. Plus, I'll take a look at the Oscar nominations, haven't had a week to process them. Until then, this has been Page 180, and listen up, all you big dick Mr. Men, who wants to see me fight a fucking snake?